This is Channel Attitude. Your voice, your right, your freedom. This is Vince Russo's The Brand. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to an all-new episode of the Talks with Taylor Hendricks podcast with yours truly exclusively on Russo'sBrand.com with Channel Attitude. Um, today, I decided to take a break from um, not just the normal platform, but also the normal vibe. Um, today was such a beautiful day outside, and I have been working, 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 so I decided what a better way to just enjoy nature than to just do the podcast outdoors. Um, one of my favorite elements, you know, it is pretty much my favorite time of the year, fall. So I wanted to enjoy that with all of you today in all of the glamour and glory that is the Talks to Taylor Hendricks podcast. You never quite know what you're going to get on this podcast. We've got Q&As. We have got, you know, things to know before you're 30, fun, weird, strange, unusual facts. Did you know? Fun fact Fridays. Uh, you know, box office news updates, Hollywood news updates, world news, and so much more. Um, so I really love the freedom of you never quite know what you're going to get. And I think that's also very much indicative of um, the Taylor Army in my wrestling crew because I would be popping up everywhere and the Taylor Army would just love it. Um, so I feel like I want to con continue that and carry that through this podcast. I do want to give a shout out to Russo's brand and to all of the fans of this podcast who have been so patient this week. Um, obviously, this episode is a little bit late and I just want to thank you all so much for, you know, just bearing with me on that. I had so many things. I was traveling. Um, I was doing some work and I needed to travel for it and <laughs> all of my stuff got delayed. All of my, my, my flight, my connecting flight, everything. And then I had a family emergency. So it was just like one thing after after another um, Slinky and I ended up getting to where we needed to be albeit you know two days late but it is what it is uh, you know we, we make it work right we make it work <laughs> you turn chicken shizit into chicken shizit salad with uh, you know some lemon zest from all those lemons that life seems to throw at you sometimes so that's kind of my philosophy and so without further ado we're going to dive right on in uh, first and foremost, I do want to, now that that little introduction is aside, I do want to give, you know, um, my thoughts and condolences to everybody that is a family, a friend, and or a fan of uh, the amazing gentlemen that are, you know, Bob Barker, Terry Funk, and Wyndham Rotunda, also known as Bright Wyatt. Um, as you guys have seen on social media, we lost all three of these men uh, very close together and, in my opinion, too soon. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a, in my opinion, a hard, it, I don't think it's an opinion. I think it's a fact. Loss is hard. Um, you know, it's, it's a consequence of loving um, because when you have loved you, and that is gone, you know what loss truly is um, but I think it's better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all um, I think life is, is so much more worth so much more worth living when you have people and things and experiences that you genuinely love and for me um, I don't have a lot of memories at all with Terry Funk, but I was always studying his work when I was at OVW um, and before OVW and after. He has contributed so much in, uh, in particular to this business and he actually, I feel, 
breaks a stigma in wrestling where so many wrestlers die so young and Terry Funk um, made it into his late 70s, um, which isn't even old in my opinion. Um, but that is the waking nightmare of being a pro athlete. You know, you see this with Bray Wyatt, you, you see this with um, Daphne, uh, Test, um, Eddie Guerrero. Uh, the list just, the list is staggering. Um, 2003 was a very uh, rough year, 2003, 2004. There was a lot of loss in the wrestling community. Um, and just, you know, the NFL, boxing, UFC, uh, soccer sometimes, and, and most definitely pro wrestling, the lifestyle, the job, it, it takes and takes and takes, and it doesn't give nearly as much as it takes. And so I just hope that in honor of, I'm trying to put this in, in a way that I think can be understood my meaning instead of people trying to assume. I'm trying to be as clear and concise as I can, but this is something that really does truly bother me. So I hope that if, if, if there are Bray Wyatt fans listening to this, and if you're just a wrestling fan in general listening to this, I hope that we can all in Bray Wyatt's memory do better. Um, he was a person that was and is and always will be in my mind a good person. He was really good to me when I was at WWE. Uh, you know, not everybody treats extras that well. Like sometimes you're you're treated like untouchables. Um, you're treated like a second rate whatever. Um, and it, it doesn't always feel good and it's not always it's it's not always fun to feel that way or treated that way or looked down and condescended to in that manner. Um, and I can say out of all the times that I crossed paths with Bray Wyatt, he never once did that to anyone that I saw. Um, and I always kept my eyes and ears open every locker room, everywhere that I went, every place that I have been. And I can say with utmost certainty that he was actually a good person. Like he, he saw one time I was backstage at WWE. I believe it was myself, Kira Hogan. Um, was it Drew Gulak? I think possibly him and several other people. So we were sitting at the designated, you know, extras table in catering, um, and they had this big screen TV, um, so we could see the show and everything. We weren't, we didn't have anything to do on that show. We weren't a part of anything, so you kind of just have to stay out of the way, be seen but not seen, kind of thing. And Bray Wyatt actually saw us sitting alone, kind of like. And instead of sitting with any of the other WWE superstars at many of the open tables, and some of them were even calling him over, instead he came to sit with us extras and talk to us, the extras at WWE. I think if there's any story that I can recall that could in any way show you the type of, not just performer, but type of man, type of son, type of brother, type of father and husband as well as WWE superstar that Bray Wyatt was and is and always will be I think it's that story of mine because it just shows a person that was treating people with dignity and respect and trying to be welcoming and wholesome and and humorous and funny and engaging um he was never once rude or inappropriate he was he was very welcoming 
and he treated all of us with dignity and respect and, and understanding and we all sort of shared in this conversation that had a for lack of other terms I'm going to reuse the word sharing uh, we, we got to share our passion for this crazy once in a lifetime could never truly define it in your wildest childhood dreams industry um, and that to me is Bray Wyatt and so earlier when I said that in his memory I hope that we can do better what I mean by that is this is something that grinds my gears which is actually a question I get asked a lot for Q&A's um, <coughs> When something happens in pro wrestling, you'll see so many people carry out a barrage of tweets and Instagram posts and, and stories and reels and videos and everything else because it, it's the, the trending and popular hot topic, right? Now, obviously, a lot of people are gutted. They are crushed. A lot of people knew, cherished, and loved Bray Wyatt, and they still do, and I believe that they always will because that's the type of man that he, he is, you know? And always will be um, but what upsets me is when I think that some people use that for a means of getting attention and traction to their own pages and you also see that within a week or a month or if if the lucky six months like people stop talking about them all together until it's like the one-year anniversary which is such a weird thing to celebrate um, I guess it's a remembrance, so in that it's okay, but I don't know. I guess to each their own. Everybody has their own traditions and so forth. So I try to be respectful of that because, you know, you want people to respect your beliefs, so you try to be respectful of other beliefs, even if you don't share the same ones. But I just want us to do better. You know, how many people, when the really hard topic of what happened to, for example, Hanukkah comes up how many people without without that topic coming up how many people are still talking about her and and the same goes for Daphne how many people are still bringing her up on a consistent basis I know I am I talk about her all the time I wear her shirts I think about her I pray for her family um but I I don't I don't know I guess it just grinds my gears because I want these people to remain talked about. I want these people to be remembered the way that they deserve and not just a niche thing and not just on the one year anniversary thing. I don't know. I don't feel I'm doing what I I want to say justice, but I'm, I'm having a hard time finding the words, I guess, to really describe. So I just hope that we can do better as a a community of fans that love this business and as human beings, you know, um, Bray Wyatt has a family that he didn't intend to leave behind, you know, um, Shannon, she had people that loved her that are left behind. The same for Hana Kimura, you know, the, the same for Tess, the same for Eddie Guerrero, the same for the... the Owen Hart, the, the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on, you know? Um, so I hope that we can just learn as a community how to celebrate people while they're still with us, you know, instead of, I don't know. I hope that you all can really pick up what I'm trying to say, but even as an author, I am feeling woefully inadequate um, in, in 
trying to articulate what I am feeling and what my hopes are for for the community in the, in wrestling going forward and for these families that have lost um, these amazing people that can never be replaced. They there is no replacing a Bray Wyatt. There's there's no replacing Hanakumara. There's no there's no replacing the Scream Queen. You know, uh, there's no replacing Daphne. These people are irreplaceable. Their contributions and their legacy, I want to see continue to be lived on and not just spoken of in times of tragedy like this, but also because they deserve to be remembered. He is one of the most creative WWE superstars of all time. And I stand by that. I've always thought that. I wanted to be Sister Abigail. Okay, that is how much that I really believed in and really appreciated his work in this business because not everybody knows how to create like that. Not everyone knows how to tell a story like that. Um, that is something that's innate. It's, it, it, it's inside of you and it's a it's a creative process that doesn't always get appreciated and doesn't always get to unfold in wrestling because you're not always in control when it comes to the wrestling industry and your brand and your character and different things. And so I just hope that we can do better in the name of Bray Wyatt, in the name of his children and his wife and, and his family. Um, I guess that's how I'll end this portion of the podcast is by saying that. I hope that we can do better for them and for him and for the whole community as a whole. Now we're going to head into with my little handy dandy notebook, um, a brand new Q&A where I answer questions from you, the fans, my subscribers on my YouTube channel. So if you wanna get in on all the fun that is Q&As with Taylor Hendricks, whether it's weekly Q&As or Q&A Wednesdays, here's what you're going to wanna do. You're going to want to be a subscriber of russosbrand.com. You have no long-term commitment and it costs less than a large cup of coffee at Starbucks per month. You get podcasts from myself, Vince Russo, um, Al Snow, EC3, um, Stevie Ray, Goldilocks, and so many more um, amazing people. You've got live streams, you've got Patreon stuff, you've got podcasts like this. Um, you've got so much content, all for less than a large cup of coffee per month, no long-term commitment. There is not a better deal in the podcasting realm um, that I am aware of. Um, please tell me. I, I will be glad to hear it, but I don't think there is. Um, the other thing you're going to want to do is head on over to my YouTube channel. The link is in one of the sides here. YouTube.com slash at Taylor Hendricks. You're going to want to subscribe, scroll down to the latest Q&A video, hit the thumbs up, and comment your question in the comments below that video for your chance to be featured on both my YouTube channel and this podcast. Who knows? Maybe there are other fans out there who have the same exact question you did. So to me, that would be absolutely amazing. I love getting to interact with you guys. So let's dive right on in. And after this, I am going to need a brushing of this workout hair. <laughs> it is crazy. Okay. <clears throat> One person asked me, um, what is my favorite kind of food? So are you talking about like where it's from or are you talking about like breakfast lunch dinner type of stuff um i'm a breakfast person i will eat breakfast food at like any time of the day i love breakfast food but if you're talking about like actual like favorite types of food i would have to say portuguese food i grew up you know in a you know predominantly portuguese um area at the time and i grew up loving portuguese food um i just think that it's just so good 
and I don't know to me it just feels like home so I would have to say out of all the cuisine in the world Portuguese food um someone asked me what was my worst injury worst in what way like one that gave me the most lasting long-term effects or the one that was just really ugly and gnarly um because I would say if you want gruesome then my worst injury would have to be at ROH um, it was a really busy night for me. They were really putting me in the thick of it to try me out and see how I would do under pressure, and I nailed it, um, especially with the unexpected stuff. I had a pre-show match. I had three valet spots, plus I had a promo, and I had something else, too. I forgot what it was. So I had, like, costume changes, plus I had a match, plus I had a promo on the mic that was a live mic and, like, all this other stuff. Like, nothing was scripted. It was all me. <laughs> um, and I saw some wrinkles on my dress, and Stokely Hathaway would, um, we all, we would like share stuff, meaning like if I had stuff that people needed to use, I would gladly let them use it. And if I needed something that they had that I needed to use, they would let me use it. So for example, I had these really sharp sewing scissors. So people wanted to use that a lot. I also had like carpet tape for wardrobes. They would use that. I also had a, um, like a carry on travel size sewing kit and a travel size first aid kit. So I was always, you know, I was like, I was Mama Hendrix, basically. I was like a mama bear. I was always giving stuff to people like I would help Raylin. I remember helping uh, Kelly Klein sew parts of her gear before one of her debut matches. Like that's just like the type of person I was. And and still am to this day, I, I firmly believe that. So anyway, uh, we were using Stokely Hathaway's um, portable clothes steamer because I noticed some wrinkles in the dress. And this girl that I had entrusted with this I should have never, uh, looking back, um, but she, uh, I trusted her to use the clothes steamer because I was getting ready to go out and, you know, we were waiting for the clothes steamer and of course it came at the last minute, whatever. And so I'm holding my dress away from my body like this or near my legs and this girl is pushing the clothes steamer closer and closer and closer to my leg and I don't really have any leverage to kind of push her away because I'm holding my dress it's just fabric and I'm trying to like push it away and she pushes it all the way to my leg to my skin and she steamed several layers of my skin off it was like house of wax it was legit one of the most gnarliest things I have ever seen in my life and unfortunately I was witnessing it as it was happening to me at the ECW arena in Philly um, and none of the fans knew what happened to me it was crazy I literally watched my skin liquefy and drip off of my body my skin my actual skin um, it was so nasty layers of my skin and like other parts of my skin that didn't melt off and drip off like little drops of water from a water bottle like that was my skin the other parts that didn't do that it shriveled up like the legs of the wicked witch when the when the, the when the house falls on her in the movie the wicked witch of the east and her legs like shrivel up under the house leaving the shoes or whatever that's what some of the rest of my skin around the womb did and the wound itself was about this big so that much of an a surface area of my skin was steamed off of my body and I didn't know this at the time but steam is hotter than fire so it's actually like a worse burn than an actual fire burn I had to use like a silver nickel I don't even remember I had to go to a doctor after I was done with that loop but here, here's the here's the gag of it all I still had to go on like the show had to go on and the first aid people that were there, that 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 were with the building, like our wish didn't bring them. They just happened. They they were there with the building. 
um, they didn't have the necessary supplies to aid me in first aid. So they basically put a band-aid that didn't stick because like the, the area was so wounded and it was so big. I'm literally going out. I think I was, um, I think this was right before I had to cut my promo for diesel actually. And I, my dress was literally stuck to my leg on the, the, the wound itself. And I had to rip my dress off of the wound. And it, it was just so nasty. It was so, so, so nasty. If you go back to earlier um, tapings of Queens of Combat, you'll see a big bandage on my leg about this big. I know I had that bandage on when I wrestled Barbie Hayden. I think at Beyond Wrestling for WWR, and I think I had that bandage on when I wrestled Allison Kay at Queens of Combat. I had to have that bandage on for a couple months, and I had to go see a doctor after the loop was over. It was awful, guys. So I would say that's probably the most gnarly. Like it was, it was really bad, and I, I still had to do because you know ROH at that time they did like a whole month of like tapings. You know they did several weeks and one night and stuff, and so I literally had to be like that for the rest of the night and there was like no actual first aid that could help me it was so awful it was so awful um I will never forget that uh luckily it didn't I'm guys I'm surprised it did not leave a scar I I really am surprised I feel like it should have but I'm lucky it didn't I mean I do have enough scars though uh, <laughs> I would say that was the most gross and gnarly um most severe I would probably have to say which actually leads into another question um, I would say probably one of the most severe that I do still have um, lasting effects to to this day was the match that I talked about on a previous episode of this podcast where I was struck like deaf, dumb, and stupid is what I call it because I was concussed. I was deaf on one side and blind on one side when I left that match and I left that arena that night and I've never gone back. I said I would never again set foot in that building and to this day I have not. Um, yeah. Uh, that was really hard. Um, the eyesight came back the next day, um, but my hearing was never the same. It took months. It was like hearing out of a, a, like a seashell and my equilibrium was off because the inner ear was off and it was just a really long healing process. And to this day, I'm still partially deaf from that. I do have some like nerve damage. It didn't rupture the eardrum, but it did like damage like nerves or something according to my ENT doctor that I had to go get. And someone asked me, which is why this leads into it, um, but I will say really quick, the other really gnarly injury was when I was paralyzed. I got paralyzed from my, my waist down. A girl kicked me square in the back of the head here where your, where your head meets the, uh, the base of your neck. That's like your upper cervical spine area. And she kicked me there at, when I was in sitting, uh, in a sit, sitting position, she like snap mirrored me over and sat me up and she kicked me from behind. My whole brain moved forward and hit like the front of my skull everything went black and there was like sh broken glass shards of rainbow colors and while I'm feeling my brain move I'm also coming to the realization that I can't feel my feet or move my legs I was numb from the waist down and then she does the exact same thing again in the exact same spot with the exact same kick and all those same things happened all over again blackness then shards of broken glass color is what it felt like it looked like uh, I felt my brain move to the front of my skull again, and then I realized again that I, I once again could not, for several seconds, could not feel uh, my legs or or my feet. Um, that was a very, very close call. Um, and she had actually, this person had actually done that to someone with more experience than me 
uh, like a month or two earlier and also that person also got paralyzed. That person was Daisy Hayes actually. Daisy Hayes experienced that same thing of getting paralyzed from the waist down. Luckily, neither of us, it was it was not permanent. We thank the Lord. Uh, very, very blessed with that. But that was also very, very uh, gnarly and severe. Um, as far as um, the being blind and deaf and getting concussed, someone asked me whatever happened to her and did um, she ever, you know, pay for the bills or get fined or get in trouble? The answer is no, no, and no. She did not get in trouble. She was not fined and she did not pay my medical bills. I pay my own medical bills. And that such is the plight of a, you know, a pro wrestler. Uh, the one time I hurt somebody where they had to go get medical attention, I actually sent them money through PayPal to cover for some of the visit because I felt bad. Um, and to this day, I, I can count on one hand and I don't even need all five fingers to count how many people I've hurt in the last 17 years of wrestling. So I feel really good about that. Um, I've always been a pretty safe person to work with, but yeah, nothing ever happened to her. Um, I don't think it was malicious, but I feel like it was an ego thing. Um, because I was the more experienced person and she wasn't listening and she was so much bigger than me and didn't understand the power that she possessed. So I feel like it was a a very touchy situation. Um, what is something that you know now that you wish you knew back then? Uh, this is a very good question. There are so many things that I know now that I wish I knew back then. That's why I think that song by the faces, Ooh La La, I think it's called, is so relatable. They say, I wish that I knew what I know now when I was younger. Um, and it's so true. But I guess one thing, um, you know, uh, WWR, uh, World... Uh, wrestling revolution i think women's wrestling revolution i believe it's called uh but it's wwr from beyond wrestling they actually reposted a tag team match that i had it was myself and alicia edwards um versus the twisted sisters which is holiday and thunder rosa and i rewatched that and i was like oh man like i'm starting to watch a lot of my tape back and this is my answer to this question i wish that i understood how good and ahead of my time i actually was because you see, a lot of the stuff I was doing then that people gave me so much crap for, a lot of the girls are doing now. And so I feel like I was very much creatively and story-wise ahead of my time. And I was way better in the ring with a solid foundation and creativity than I ever gave my credit, myself credit for. And I wish that I knew that back then. Because I believed all the negativity and critiques about me that I would hear, um, or was actually said to my face. And I believed it. It was it was so, I don't know why, but it was so easy for me to believe all of those negative criticisms and stuff and limiting beliefs about me as opposed to truly believing in myself. Um, and that's really sad because, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I really do wish that I would have known that you know I really I really do wish because I went through so much in wrestling so much that wasn't fair and I mean nothing's ever really fair it's a rigged game and you have to understand that going in and the best way to win a rigged game is not to play um but I had rose-colored goggles on for so long way longer than probably was appropriate and that's how I looked at the wrestling world I looked at the world itself outside of wrestling and that's how I looked at all the people in wrestling with rose-colored goggles on you know I grew up thinking that 
uh, if you treat everyone well, then everyone will treat you well. But that's not how it works. It's not the case. And you could be the nicest person in the world and people are still going to hate you. You know, and that's what we talk about with motivation all the time. I'm such a firm believer in that. And so looking back on my tape that I've watched over the last six months or so uh, preparing for my comeback against Santana Garrett and preparing for a bunch of different things, I just wish I would have known how good and ahead of my time I actually was. I, I really got beat down by criticism and negativity and people that were never for me, that I wanted so desperately to be for me, that I wouldn't accept the reality that they weren't for me and that they, they had a, an agenda and a design to hold me down, to boost them up basically. And I, that happened quite a bit. And some of that's my fault because I, I didn't want to believe it. And I feel like I should have had more confidence in myself that I was worth it and that doing the right thing is always the right thing to do. And you should never regret that. And, and by the way, I don't. Um, and that, you know, just realizing that I have this talent for a reason and I had this dream for a reason and yeah that's what I wish I would have known back then is to um, sometimes people critique you not because you deserve the criticism but because they can't handle your light and they want to snuff you out like a candle all right do I like roller coasters yes yes I do my first ever roller coaster when I was a kid was actually a stand-up roller coaster uh, crazy I I loved it I love them what was what is my favorite flavor of Oreos? The pumpkin spice one in their back. That's my favorite. My absolute favorite. It is tops. It is tops. Um, what are some of the best wrestling schools? Um, asking because I want to train to be a wrestler. Okay, well, without knowing where exactly you're located and where you're from and what your goals are, what I would say is choose a school that has a reputation of excellence and producing the type of star you want to be or producing people that go to the places that you want to go. That's what I suggest. Now, as far as the actual schools, I firmly recommend Ohio Valley Wrestling. Um, I went there and they're doing even more amazing things now than what they were doing back then. Like, I'm so jelly, it's awesome. It is awesome. It's all the stuff that we ever wanted back then and they're doing it now. And so I think like if you have the opportunity to be a part of that, don't think twice, do it. Um, but also understand that not every environment is for you. So, you know, if you're not thriving in an environment and you're not getting the learning that you need from an environment, don't be afraid to pick up and go because you're not a tree with roots stuck in the ground. You're not immovable. You can pick up and go anytime you want to. It's just a matter of how much do you want to. The other school that I would recommend firmly is Tom Pritchard School. Um, he teaches with Glenn Jacobs. So highly recommend that school. They are doing amazing things. And I mean, he, he definitely has a reputation for excellence. You know, Kurt Angle, <laughs> The Rock, uh, a lot of the NWA stars now. So I just, I've always been a big fan of Tom Pritchard. Um, great, great trainer, great guy. Um, let me see, other schools. I would recommend Monster Factory with Danny Cage and Melissa Sampson. I guess they're from California. You can go to Santino Bros. Um, let me see here. Yeah, I would start there and then slowly uh, branch out into like Canada and beyond. Um, but there, there's that's a really good place to start. Um, will I ever consider doing movie reviews on my YouTube channel? Uh, yep, they are coming. They are coming. So stay tuned for that. What are my favorite scary movies? 
for to watch for Halloween. Um, I don't know if I have an absolute favorite, but I like, you know, I like scary ghost type of movies. So I would say probably the Evil Dead uh, franchise, uh, the Conjuring franchise, um, Sinister definitely, um, and stuff like that. Um, Poltergeist, The Exorcist, um, gotta watch Beetlejuice. I, I love that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, there, there's just so many, too many to name. And the, you know what? We will stop there for our Q&A and we're gonna save the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, ten or eleven questions for next week's episode. Now we're going to head into a brand new box office news update. So I actually did some research on several different things for the box office update. So as of right now, we got the highly anticipated film Blue Beetle. Um, <laughs> and I was very surprised by the news. So what's going on with Blue Beetle is as follows. They are getting a ton of positive reviews from critics and fans alike. However, not enough people are actually going to the movie theater to see it. So it is underperforming drastically. Um, they're, they're most likely not going to even make even. They're not going to cut it. <laughs> basically now we've talked about this quite a bit on different episodes of my podcast as well as my live stream segment with Vince Russo called the brand live with Vincent Taylor what a lot of people don't understand about films and productions and stuff like that is a lot of times the budget for a movie doesn't actually include marketing and advertising and nine times out of ten if you do not have enough money pumped into marketing and advertising you're not even going to make even you're not going to get an ROI, nothing, which means a return on your investment, okay? So a lot of times for, for you know, for tax purposes and stuff, because films and studios, they pay taxes on the productions. They pay taxes on tons of things. So there's a really big tax bill. So when you factor in that, plus the actual budget of the movie, plus the marketing and advertising to make the movie successful, we have to stop and understand. I don't know why, I'm sorry, I don't know why this is like getting super dark. Oh, it's all the way up. I don't, sorry about that guys. Yeah, I'm not really sure what's going on there. So I apologize, but it's like super sunny and beautiful out. And then all of a sudden my screen got like super dark. I apologize. Again, I am not tech savvy. I need Jeff to teach me a bunch of different things. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so for, for these productions like Blue Beetle for DC, uh, they need to make double just to break even. So if, it, for example, I found out the movie had a $104 million budget, that means just to break even roughly, they have to roughly make like $208 million to just about break even with a little bit of a profit. So far though, they've only made between 81 and $85 million worldwide in the box office. That is woefully underperforming, even though it is receiving tons of positive reviews, like I said, from both critics and fans. So this is now going to eye, if they're lucky, $110 million total, which means that's only $6 million above the original budget for the film. That does not spell good news for DC Comics. And so, I mean, one positive, if we want to put a positive spin on this for Blue Beetle, because I know we have talked a lot about the upcoming release of Blue Beetle prior to it being currently in the box office. I was really excited about it. I love the character of Blue Beetle. I really loved what they were doing with Blue Beetle's character in, you know, DC Comics' Young Justice uh, show on, uh, you know, the Max app and stuff like that. So I thought this was a great opportunity, um, especially with the reset of the DCEU. 
Um, so one positive from this, if you want a positive takeaway, is the fact that Blue Beetle did in fact dethrone Barbie in the box office. Recently, Barbie had a take of 25 point, uh, $21.5 million, whereas Blue Beetle brought in 25.4. So in that regard, that is really loud. So in that regard, we, a Blue Beetle did actually have one successful thing, which was dethroning Barbie. However, it is with a $104 million budget and them only eyeing a $110 million take, even though that's a lot of money, it's not going to be enough money to even break even. So let's hope that this story turns around in the coming days for Blue Beetle. But as of right now, this does not spell good news for DC. And speaking of not good news, there is more on for the <laughs> for the DC vein here that we're going on, and it is the Flash. We have talked to uh, we've talked a ton, a ton about the Flash movie uh, with Ezra Miller, and unfortunately, not only did it underperform at the box office, which was the movie to reset the entire DCEU and begin James Gunn and Peter Safran's uh, vision for DC Comics as the co-CEOs of DC Comics under Warner Brothers. Now it is underperforming again, and this time it's on the Max app. Uh, within just a couple days of being on the, uh, the new Max app, the Flash movie got fewer viewers streaming it than Black Adam did. So after only a couple days of being on the Max app, um, they received only 1.1 million streams, whereas um, Black Adam actually got 1.2 million. That's, per, that's roughly, I'm not the best at math, but that's roughly an 8% drop um, in viewers and streamers between Black Adam to The Flash. Now it is just a couple days, but they're measuring the first couple days for Black Adam and the first couple days. So that's what we have to keep in mind. They're measuring the same type of progress. But since it's not that far behind, maybe it'll catch up, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, moving right along for box office news, I am going to give you guys the rundown of what is happening. So we briefly mentioned how Blue Beetle dethroned Barbie with the takeaway from this past weekend. Well, Barbie is still doing okay, apparently. Um, they have officially beat out Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 as Warner Brothers' highest grossing movie ever. Ever. Um, Barbie has officially brought in $1.342 billion for Warner Brothers. That is a huge success for everybody involved with the Barbie movie. Um, so huge congratulations to everyone. I have not seen it yet, so la 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 la, no spoilers. <laughs> uh, but as soon as I do see it, I will give reviews. I already have a list of all the movies that I'm going to be giving reviews for you, the fans. Uh, moving right along here, let's see. I have the top 10 with two honorable mentions currently in the box office. So here is the rundown. Coming in at number one was Gran Turismo based on a true story. Coming in at number two was Barbie. Coming in at number three, Blue Beetle. Four, Oppenheimer. Five, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, Mutant Mayhem. Coming in at number six was Strays. Number seven, The Meg 2, The Trench. Coming in at number eight, Retribution. Number nine, The Hill, and I do have to say I haven't even heard of that. Um, and coming in at number 10, I do want to see this one, it's Talk To Me. Now the two honorable mentions that I briefly glossed over, coming in at number 11 is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, and coming in at number 12, The Haunted Mansion. So if you have seen any of these, I would love to hear from you. How would you rate them if you were Rotten Tomatoes? 
And speaking of Rotten Tomatoes, this is going to be one of our last headlines on this episode. It is Adam Sandler and his films. Netflix has officially reported that Bat Mitzvah is officially Adam Sandler's uh, highest rated film ever on Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes uh, officially reviewed it and it received a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. So a huge congratulations to everybody involved with the Netflix project, Adam Sandler's latest film, Bat Mitzvah. I definitely want to see this one. It looks funny. It looks wholesome. And I love everything about, you know, what Adam Sandler does with, you know, the films on his terms and his friends and his studio. I just think it's absolutely, I don't know. It's just so cool. Um, and then last but not least, I do want to throw this in here since, um, you know, people have been asking me if I'm going to do movie reviews and I do talk about Hollywood news a lot. And as you guys know, uh, you know, the first ever book that I, uh, released for publishing, uh, was based on a sloth called Sully and it's called, it's not easy being a sloth. It was my first book and it also made it to the Amazon top 100 list for children's action and adventure. You guys know, I am a huge, like Kristen Bell level diehard sloth fan. And that's why a sloth was the main character of my first book well I found out we talked about it and my dismay about it on this podcast there is a horror dark comedy sort of film that is out and it is called slother house I can't even see that with a straight face like slother house well apparently IGN has seen it and they rated it and part of their rating says and I quote competent collegiate comedy that stands on its own merits end quote IGN I don't know about this IGN I don't know about this okay I think we need to have a conversation I hope it's as good and it, as humorous and gory as you say but I saw the trailer and I just I don't know I don't know like come on it says slother how I, I just I don't know I don't know um, you know, I know quite a few people that are actually like terrified of sloth. So maybe, <laughs> maybe this movie is for them. I don't know, but I'm going to have to see it no matter what. And I'm going to have to review it just because of how much I love sloths and I love horror movies. But couldn't we just have left sloths alone? I mean, we already have cocaine bear. We've got, you know, drugged up gators like coming out. I, I just. No, <laughs> I don't know what is what. Okay, after Slaughterhouse, what is next, guys? What is next? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. All right, <laughs> we are going to end the laughs right here and head briefly on into the bread and butter of my podcast, which is motivation. Um, most weeks, I like to bring you guys a weekly dose of motivation to help carry you through your week because, as I often say, consistency will take you places that motivation alone cannot. And this week is actually something, uh, a topic that I have talked about in great length and to great detail, whether it's this YouTube channel, this podcast, my blog, um, different posts on social media, and it's even one of the premises of my story and it's not easy being a sloth. And it's very simple. When we are growing up, we constantly hear such negative things like can't, won't, don't, no, yada, yada, yada. It's just a lot of negative, 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 negative. I don't think a lot of times we have enough people in our lives telling us what we can do and what we should do, what we could do, and will do, and yes, you can. Like, 
I don't think we have enough of that. And so we have been on this journey together in the Taylor Army of trying to become the adults that we, we needed as children, which I think is one of the single most admirable things that you can do. And that's all a part of the journey and becoming the best version of yourself that has ever existed and breaking generational curses and generational trauma so that it stops with you and you don't continue to indirectly pass that shizit on. Because let, let, let's face it, shizit belongs, flush it down the toilet, okay? It belongs in the trash. We don't play with trash, we take the trash out. And that's what generational curses and generational trauma is. It's just people passing their trash on and passing that on and passing it on and passing it on until the family and the world is so messed up and nobody can even realize and, and put piece together how we got here. It ends with us and it starts with us when we choose to be the change, when we choose to become the best version of ourselves that ever existed. We forgive ourselves for past versions of ourselves, uh, for doing the best we could at that time with the information that we had, and now we leave that past version of ourselves in the past where it belongs, because if we bring it into our present, then we are robbing ourselves of joy and the room for growth in the future. And we deserve that, don't we? After this long journey of what we're doing, you know, breaking generational curses and generational trauma to become the adults that we needed as children. And so what I wanna end this episode with is this. For motivation, here it is. Life is full of can'ts, won'ts, and don'ts. What they stand for should be entirely up to you. Up to you and no one else, okay? Can'ts, won'ts, don'ts. They don't have to be the negative words that you grew up believing, okay? Sometimes they can stand for something positive and amazing and magical and firm and steadfast. Remember, anything worth achieving isn't easy because anything easily gained is just as easily lost. And that is why nothing good comes from comfort zones. So when you are in a trying time, when you are questioning so much, when you feel so overwhelmed, just remember that what you are doing is worth it. You are worth it. The kid you used to be is worth it. And the adult that you are becoming is worth it. Life is full of can'ts, won'ts, and don'ts. And just like I said, what they stand for should be entirely up to you. For me, I can't stop until I achieve my goals for me and my family. I don't have time for people that have limiting beliefs of me and are negative. And I won't sacrifice my integrity for the pursuit of anything in this life. Cancel and some don'ts, ladies and gentlemen. All right, this has been the latest episode of the Talks with Taylor Hendricks podcast coming to you live, usually, every single Tuesday as part of the brand family on russosbrand.com. I hope to see you back here next week. And do not forget, I am on Cameo for personal videos from me to you, where we both donate to charity through Cameo. And right here on this YouTube channel, you can find me with youtube.com slash at Taylor Hendricks, as well as the weekly podcast, Talks with Taylor Hendricks with Russo's Brand. And of course, all of my Fightful articles that come out on Fightful.com, my books on Amazon, and of course, my blog on Medium. Until next week, everybody.